We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we record from today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. I also pay my respects to the elders past and present. I extend that respect to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Meet the Source, a new podcast from Cappy, where hosts Emma Evans and Thurman Wise get to the source of our daily rituals, speaking with entrepreneurs that are changing the face of our day to day. From making our bed to a glass of wine and everything in between, we give you a peek into the leaders making our daily rituals serve us better, support our communities and bring positive change to our surroundings. Hello and welcome to The Source. Um, as always, your host, I'm Thurman Wise. And I'm Emma Evans. And today for our second episode, we have a very special guest, Caroline Clements, exploring the ritual of an afternoon swim. If this is your first time meeting Caroline, uh, she is a writer and editor based in Sydney, the founder of the absolute beautiful publication, Places We Swim. It's a guide to the best swimming across Australia. And together with her partner, Dylan, they explore and document travel and the outdoors. Caroline, hello. Hey, guys. How, how are you going today? I'm great. It's a really beautiful, hot, sunny, very ripe for, for a swim kind of day up in Sydney. That's nice because it's definitely not like that here in Melbourne. <laughs> oh. It's supposed to be this weekend, though. This so weekend maybe... it will be. Today is pretty cloudy. Yesterday was pretty good swim day i think that's one of the it's one of the funnier things is i'm from california originally and i'm so used to every day being a swim day it's it's like that in sydney i feel like yeah i feel like every day is a swim day in sydney even if it's the thing that i love because i'm originally from melbourne and the thing that i find that i love about sydney is that like i'm never cold i never have a jacket like you can just jump in the water any time of day through winter yeah it's a very swimming friendly city. Do you find, I guess, not to not to jump deep into the the art of swimming, but in Sydney, is that pretty much the culture, like the like the daily swim, or or people really exploring the water on a regular basis? It is. It, it certainly is for people that live near the coastline, um, and I think that's why people are drawn to to those areas. You know, those coastal towns like. Manly and Bondi and Cronulla and, and all the little hamlets in between. Swimming is, yeah, a big part of everyone's day. And, and even people that live in sort of the west and are close to the harbour, there's like all this harbour swimming and right up the coast. Like it's a city really built on the water. And so I think, yeah, swimming is a huge part of the day-to-day. But that being said, there's there's definitely parts of the city that don't have access in the same way that like us, us coastal dwellers do. But uh, yeah, certainly I think a lot of us are drawn to the water. I mean, not to ask too deep of a question, but what is it about the water that up in Sydney has all of you guys living near the coast? I think the climate has a lot to do with it. I think, you know, it's a really great temperature for, for humans to live in. And I think because of that and because of the geography of the city, we're, we're really drawn to submerging and, and we've got these like amazing landscapes that are surrounded by water. And so we, we're beachgoers, we're ocean pool swimmers and, and in the suburbs, there's public pools and, and then into the mountains, there's freshwater swimming, lakes, rivers, it's hard to escape the water. I mean, it's funny. I'm I'm naturally like a water baby. Like I need to be by water all the time. And I know personally, because I know Emma quite well, that, that always hasn't been the case, but Emma has found a new love well, of the water. I actually grew up 
going to the river every summer. So that's all I knew. And I had no issue swimming in the river and I've loved water, but I did have an issue with beaches. And so I just had to really overcome that. And as a child, my parents said that I wore gumboots to the beach because I didn't want to be on the sand and just had no interest <laughs> in going in the water, but I loved the river. And now it's... Where did you grow up? Emma? I just grew up in like the suburbs in Melbourne and we used to go up to the Murray, but then now I live in Port Melbourne right near the bay mm. and going and having a swim is a huge ritual for me. Maybe not daily yet, but I can't say I love the sand still, but... I don't wear gumboots to the beach any longer. That's a funny thing you say about the sand. I think there's a lot of people that don't like sand out there. You're not alone. I know a few people. Oh, you're another one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're one you're well. actually now coming out of the closet. <laughs> My issue with sand is it's nice when you're dry, but then as soon as you get in the water, your glue, the sand is stuck totally. to your feet. It's, it's getting in your car. It's getting in your sheets. It's getting in your shoes. And it's not going anywhere. What about when you've got sun cream on? Is that like a total human schnitzel? Like, is that just horrible to you? <laughs> I just people roll me in the sand at that point. I'm like, I'm a corn dog. And when you see people lying in the sand, do you know how people just like lie there and they like get covered in sand or they're buried in sand? How do you oh. feel about that? Does it make you feel a little bit it makes sick? you feel itchy. <laughs> when I watch people eat sandwiches at the beach, I'm like... Yo, the, like the mayo, the mayo is going to just, all the sand is in the mayo, you know? But just because it's a sandwich doesn't mean it has sand in it, right? True. I just, I just went from in two minutes saying I'm a water baby to going like, I don't like the sand. I don't like eating at the beach. I think that's okay. I think that's okay because there are plenty of other like swimming options for, for people like you. I'm a lake man. Yeah. Catch me at a lake. Yeah. You prefer fresh water over the, the salty kind? I'm a little scared of fresh water because I'm afraid now, of water. I knew that this was going to go backwards and forwards <laughs> and not really make any sense. I want a bit of that, but I want a bit of that. I feel it's almost like welcome to episode two where we unpack Thurman's love and fear of water with our special guest, Caroline. Everyone has this kind of connection in some way. Like everyone is a swimmer of some kind. Like even if you just swim, you know, two days in summer or if you swim every day, like everyone has this in Australia anyway, and perhaps in California too sounds like it means that most of us have this connection to water even if we didn't grow up on the coast and i think like even if you grew up in the suburbs or grew up in inland australia there are other bodies of water that that people are really drawn to i think like what's really cool and obviously like you know so many people do have a natural connection to it not so many people create and photograph and write an absolutely beautiful book about places that we want to swim what was it about wanting to document this or what you know what was your kind of inspiration to create such a beautiful beautiful book well dylan and i wanted to travel around the country and we hadn't we'd done a lot of like we lived in melbourne and we traveled lots to sydney and, and mostly the east coast we've done a lot of east coast road trips which i think a lot of us do living in in cities like melbourne and sydney and we wanted to yeah we wanted to explore more of the country and we both worked in book publishing before and so kind of pitched this sort of harebrained idea to to make a book about swimming i mean we we found that we were on our weekends we were always going away and and even just going down the coast for weekends away and, and friends were asking us about what we were doing and it sort of became like it's sort of a really fun thing for us to write these like mini itineraries for people be like i'm going to beechworth where what do i do here and i'm going this place and i'm going to lawn or i'm going to um i don't know into the blue mountains so 
yeah, we kind of thought we both work in in writing and editing, and Dylan's a photographer, and we thought let's let's see if we can document this. And so we started out on this road trip like with no idea what we were doing. Did you have a favorite spot? Yes, but also many. Such a hard question. Um, we always say like the whole book is our favorite spot, but um, there's a few key <laughs> ones that are like so so beautiful and so different from you know what we get like in the cities. There are a couple that come to mind straight away. One of them is in Western Australia. It's in a town called Denmark, right on the sort of southwest corner of, of WA. And it's a place called Elephant Rocks because these huge granite rocks are sort of the shape of like as though elephants are sort of sitting in the water. They're like these massive boulders that you could probably scale, but the water there is so clean and crisp. I mean, it's the ocean. And this town doesn't have a public pool, as many small Australian towns don't. Um, so this is kind of this almost like a community pool. There's two tiny bays and everyone that lives in the town sort of swims there. They learn to swim there. They do their laps there. They do these big giant laps. It's, it's kind of the ocean, but it's quite protected. And it's just like they've shot movies there. Like it's, um, yeah, it's really, really striking. And this was always one of the prerequisites for us when we were deciding on places for our book. You know, would you spend a day or more there? Like, would you, could you just spend a whole day in this place? And that one ticks the box. I mean, we wish we could stay there for weeks. Another place that comes to mind is um, a place called Dalhousie Springs in the middle of basically the middle of Australia. Um, it's in the desert in South Australia. And you drive like days and days through the flat, red, dry desert and get to this hot spring which sort of sits like at a very balmy temperature. I think it's sort of around 30 degrees all year round. And wow. you sort of spend days and days in the car just like cooped up and you just need to like roll out and stretch and like move the body. And you sort of go and sit in this in this hot, giant hot pool, like, you know, in the middle of – it feels like an oasis. It feels like a mirage actually that you even see water in the desert. Yeah, and so you can only – sort of camp in your car there or camp in a camper van or camp in a tent. So everyone's like, that's what everyone's doing. And then in the mornings and the evenings, everyone goes and has a little soak and then you, you drive on to your next destination. But it's like, it feels like this like beautiful meeting point of travellers. Sign me up. Yeah. I'm going. Are there any secret spots that didn't, I mean, you don't have to tell me, but were there any secret spots that didn't get in the book? I think with places we swim, our idea is that we want to share these places. They're all public places. There were certainly people that, that we met that didn't want to share their tips, which is totally fair enough. They didn't want them to get inundated. I mean, we're chuffed if somebody's like, don't tell everyone, everyone's going to go. And we're like, okay, we'd be stoked if 10 people actually went after our recommendation. But we think these places would be shared. So, there, I mean, there were certainly places that yeah, could have made the cut, but they maybe they were like a little bit of they were someone's secret, and maybe it just didn't feel right to like tell thousands of people about them. But mostly the places we've included are like and do include generally are like for everyone to enjoy and experience. It's like nature at its best. That's what it sounds like. Just something yeah. so simple. Well, I mean, we also found like people really love to talk about being in a place by themselves, like having this whole place to yourself. But when you think about it, when you're there by yourself it's a little bit scary. Like sometimes you actually want a few other people in the ward with you, particularly in places like, you know, in the, in the top end, in bodies of water where you're not really sure what's under the surface or like in, in beaches, like where it's quite remote, like that sounds magical to have it to yourself, but it's safer to actually be around a few other people. So it's kind of nice when there are other, other travellers there with you or 
yeah, other people joining you. And you, you, you make these connections with people as well. I think when you're in the water, you sort of just like make eye contact. You like sort of smile like to a stranger that you would otherwise not have that kind of connection with. And yeah, so I think being with other people in these places is nice to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's one of those things where I think like sometimes, you know, people are so afraid that other people aren't going to be respectful of a place or of a community. But if, if you try to keep everything secret just because you don't trust other people, then like there's so many people that are going to miss out on it. Right. Totally. And you, you want someone to have that experience. And, and, you know, there's sure, certainly there's going to be the person that leaves his litter and whatnot, yeah. but, but there's going to be the person like yourself. That's like, Oh my God, I love this so much. I need to document it. I need to share it. I need to like, get people to experience this. Yeah, and I think that the more that people experience these places, the the more they're going to care about them and the more they're going to feel like they want to celebrate them and look after them and and, and take everything away and and maybe maybe even take away someone else's rubbish when they leave if they see something and and not just trample over all the vegetation and and not like make a scene and play their music and be rude and, you know, they're going to treasure the the experience. And so is a daily swim something that you do is that a ritual for you actually you know what i remember speaking to someone about swimming years ago and they said you know swimming is different things for different people and even being near the water for some people is swimming like even just like being near the ocean breeze being on the sand dipping your toes in you know you're getting that experience and i certainly can see the water from where i live so that is almost like just a little taste yeah definitely i often walk my dog um, down by the water and sometimes I'll just sit and watch it. And it's the, I find it just brings you into a state of presence so quickly. And it's just so the water is so fascinating from how the light hits onto it. Or if the weather is different, is it still, or is the waves going quite a lot? And I just love how every day it's different. I mean, like, and not to get like, not to get too, like woo woo out there spiritual oh that's all right we're in the right we've got we've got you here so (laughs) going there says the guy with the crystal earring dangling from his ear (laughs) no but it's it's like it's so wild though because like at university i studied african art history I, i think when a lot of people think of africa they think of desert they think of like dry land but for a lot of tribal cultures the river is one of the most important parts of the land and and there's something about it that the fluidity of it, it connects them to a spiritual world. And there's just something in, you know, it's like, it's not about like what's in the water. It's just, there's this power and presence of the water. And I think that like, listen, if you can be by like a beautiful site in the ocean, and if you don't feel some kind of something, like, are you, are you even alive? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're scared of water, but yeah. even if you, even <laughs> if you get scared, you get something, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It evokes feelings. And I think, I think that's, that goes with like the idea that it's different things to different people and like people that live inland don't have that familiarization with like waves and movement. Whereas people that live, yeah, people that live near, near a lake or a river or a dam, you know, there's stillness and there's something quite meditative about that kind of water experience like it doesn't have to have all that movement they can just sort of see this body of water one thing that i'm like kind of been most curious about our conversation is you and your partner are such creatives and travel and i think creating work seems to be such an important part of your life and not to talk about covid and it's how it's happened in the last two years but how was that for you guys and and like what like what did you guys do to 
to feel, I guess, fulfilled or creatively tested over the last little bit of time? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I mean, I think we were lucky, like where some of those maybe annoying people that are like, yeah, we loved COVID, not loved it, but you know, it, it was a nice time for us because we actually had a baby a year ago. So got pregnant and had a baby all in this time when the world was kind of shut down and everyone was staying at home. It was just a nice time for us to kind of be looking into it anyway. And, and I think for everyone, even if it felt like it was a pretty scary time and it affected a lot of people, of course, very badly, it was like a time to just kind of take stock and reset and, and just like reassess the way they were operating. We certainly did that. And of course, our lives changed, you know, hugely with an addition to the family. But um, it felt like a really nice cozy, quiet. I mean, I, I'm almost now still feeling, and maybe it's just like the antisocial person <laughs> deep in me that, um, you know, like I'm actually missing those days of like not having, like it's almost become quite busy suddenly again, you know, especially around Christmas time, but you know, in summer and you just feel like you're expected to kind of like get back out there and, and get back into life. And, and it was kind of nice just being a little bit sheltered for a while. I don't think I've gone a bit off track with answering your question about creativity, but I think it just allowed us to just think about what we were doing a lot and and, and get excited again for travel. Like travel's been an industry among many that was like hit so badly and, and obviously no one could go anywhere and, that, and that's everyone. No one could leave 5Ks for a while and it's amazing. Like around the world, like no one could really leave their homes and it made you really appreciate even just being able to go away for the weekend or even like driving across town to visit a friend and you know like all those things became special again um when we were allowed to do them so yeah i think just some of those little things i think i think there was there's heaps of positives that have come out of it i mean i think it's really cool though to hear that because i think like one of the things that i've found really interesting like while chatting through like about this podcast and like talking to different guests is that people set these expectations about people like yourself. And so I've never personally met you. And all I know about you is from what I've read online or, or like the, the work that you've created. And so in my head, I was like, they probably were going crazy to get out of the house, you know, but, but like you said, it's like, there's this deeper antisocial person in you and, and, you know, how many people actually ever get to experience that side of you? Yeah. You know, I guess. Totally. Like, I think, I mean, my partner is American as well. And so we like, of course we wanted to see family, but we couldn't go overseas and see them. And there was something nice about just knowing that we couldn't leave and that we didn't have to travel. And it's exhausting. It can be exhausting, all that stuff. Like it's fun and it's awesome and it's inspiring and it's like intoxicating, like leaving home and going somewhere new. But it sort of made you appreciate just like, going down the road and going to have a coffee and just doing the small things and still almost um, treating some of your day-to-day -day experiences like it was an adventure somehow. It, it kind of felt nice. For sure. I can definitely relate. I really enjoyed it. And I now feel like I'm very proud of being an introvert. Yeah. We also travel, like travel quite extensively before yeah. for work. And so slamming on the brakes in year one was just what we needed really. And even now, like seeing how our business operates, I just don't think we would have got there without that pause. Mm. And so I like that for some people, they've just been able to really embrace these new ways of working and reframe what balance looks like and what's important. And, you know, whether that is working at home or changing up your morning routine or not feeling like obliged to go out all of the time, um, but actually being a bit more in touch with what 
fills up your cup, what makes you happy, what's important to you. So I feel like if you wanted to embrace the last couple of years, it could really set you up to ensure that you are, you know, living your life the way that you truly want to instead of just fighting it. Yeah. So a new baby though, I'm sure that would shake up your, any rituals that you had going. It does. Yeah. I mean, I think like we have this mindset, I think with, with kids like that, um, they'll just come and do whatever you do. Like, well, like, you know, people change their lives so much and we'll just like, the baby will just come with us and he'll just do whatever we do and he'll just jump in the van and he'll, you know, but then somehow you slowly like do change your mindset and your focus does shift a little bit and you're like, <laughs> okay, no, there are timings on this. There's like some routine that needs to be put in place here. But it sort of came at a time, it was timely with, with COVID. I think it was like, you got to be at home more. You got to go to bed earlier. You got to wake up earlier. I mean, these are all things that kind of appeal to us anyway, a little bit. So it has changed our routine, but it also, you know, for the better, I think maybe in many ways. Are there any, like, I guess within, like, I guess within becoming a parent, are there any new rituals that you've like picked up or any new daily routines where it's like, it's something maybe you didn't imagine before parenthood, but now it's something that you really appreciate or, or hold to like special value? Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about this about um, like my morning routine because I feel like I would say that I'm a morning person and and I like to sort of get up early-ish and do something active in the morning um, before like you sort of sit down for the day or before you sort of your, your schedule for the day sets in. But I have found myself and I still like to do that when I can, but I have found that I also just enjoy, you know, getting up with Leo and and like reading a book in bed with him and just having a coffee and having some quiet time with him. Like he sort of gets up and he wants to, he's like been asleep for 12 hours and he's like full of energy, like the most excited time of his day is the, is the first thing in the morning and maybe for all of us, maybe for many of us, but, um, you know, just having some like quiet moments with him before we get started has been a change and really nice. And then I think like, you know, at the other end of the day, you know, you start having dinner at six o'clock and then you start to get used to that. And you're like, how did we ever go out for dinner at like 8.30? Like, you know, it just flips, <laughs> it just flips some of your adult <laughs> ideas and then you like, you start to enjoy it. You're like, should we have dinner at 5.30 now? <laughs> I don't know. That sounds so dorky, but I feel well, like there's a few parents out there that might relate. Yeah. I mean, eventually we get to what, four o'clock, you're like 65, <laughs> eating dinner at four o'clock. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Eventually just... you're having dinner for lunch and life is good. <laughs> and you just cut out a whole meal entirely. <laughs> That'd be a shame actually. You just eat once. What, that's no, it. that's horrible. <laughs> I guess like in that, does I, you say that would be horrible to eat once. Does food, I mean, does food play like an important role in your life? Like in terms of like your writing or your travel, like, is that something also that you find of great interest? Definitely. Yeah. I, my mom's actually a chef, so I grew up eating very well always. And I think I've always had like a, a big interest in food and, and, and worked in cafes and restaurants when I was younger. And I spent many years, I was the founding editor of Broadsheet and, and so was documenting lots of restaurants and bars and cafes and, and the food scene for many years and still do. But yeah, food plays a big role in my life and in our life. And it's just such a, it's such a great way to share, share experiences with people. It's a great way to guide travel. I mean, even when we're swimming, we're thinking about where we're going to have meals. We're going to go for a swim here. We're going to go to this bakery. We're going to pick up something here. And, you know, it's like, I feel like 
swimming for us maybe or even just traveling or you know doing an activity like going for a hike is like the the entry point and then there's like all the journey and all the details that surround that and often they are heavily influenced by by food i think you know you've got three meals in the day more if you want and um they might as well be good ones i think i feel like i'm always suspect of people that say they don't they're like oh i don't care what we eat oh no like i don't care what i'm gonna have to eat i'm like really how can you not have Are you referring to me that? in that comment? <laughs> no, but you care. Emma, you I care. care. About what, I care. You care what you eat. I do care. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the people that say, I only eat to live. I think that's true. Like, I think some really? people that it's not interested. Yeah. I mean, that's. Oh, give me all the flavor. I actually, I had COVID a month yes. ago now, Emma. Very recent. Yeah. Very recent. I've lost my sense of taste and oh, smell. Oh, God. Oh, Thurman, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, I create all the flavors for Cappy. Wow. Okay. Which is you're, like, you're so watch out, watch out, world, because we have a new yeah. product coming out, and I did the final taste test. <laughs> <laughs> right. Also, there might be a job open for someone that can taste and or smell. I don't know. I just felt bad because I felt like I wasn't sending you like the tasting notes that you wanted. I was like, oh, it's kind of like you know, got this kind of mouth feel, and I was like, I don't know, it just tastes good. <laughs> I can't give you what you want. Well, it started coming back. Oh, cool. Okay. I oh, was going to say, what point back. did you, well, what point did you like notice that it wasn't, that you couldn't, was it like getting a cold where it's sort of gradual or was it just like one day you're like, oh God, I didn't taste that soy sauce on sushi or I don't know. Well, so what happened was I got my positive COVID test and I was like, oh my God, can I taste and smell? And I went to the fridge instantly. That was the first thing I did. I was like, got off the phone. I'm positive for COVID straight to my fridge. And I started tasting things. And I have this, my mom sends me these like packs of things from California all the time. And one of them is a hot, spicy pickled cauliflower. And I was like, this is the most flavorful thing I've got in this fridge. And I put it in my mouth and there was nothing. <gasps> and I was like, well, I'm going to be real healthy now. Yeah. So that's, that's a really good question. How does it affect like what you what you eat because you're not tasting some flavors. So it's like, oh, why bother with chocolate and chili? And I was also home alone and locked in. So all I could do is I'm not a good cook. So all I could eat was the things that I could kind of bring together, which wasn't very, wasn't very great. But I've still been like, for me, I love going to restaurants. That's my thing. And yeah, but it didn't change my approach. I still like, I like the, to me, it's like the experience of a restaurant is half of it. Yeah, I agree. But I can say last Wednesday, I went to Marion and I don't know if it was Marion that brought it out, but <laughs> I was like, I tasted, um, what was it? I can't remember. I, what did I have? I had these fried piquillo pepper stuffed with cheese and I took a bite and I was like, I'm back. Boom, we're back. <laughs> we're back. Oh, that's, that's a relief. That's a great place to christen your taste buds again. This episode is brought to you by Coben, a premium Australian lifestyle brand offering thoughtfully designed and ethically made GOTS certified organic towels. Designed in Melbourne and made by a family run mill in Turkey, sustainability, responsibility, and transparency are the label's core values. Coben towels will quickly become your favorite item to take for a swim this summer and will make a stylish addition to any bathroom. Check out Coben's new season range at coben.com.au and enter CAPI10 at checkout for 10% off your first purchase. And so as we head into 2022, what 
are you drawing inspiration from at the moment? Inspiration. Wow. It comes in so many places, but I think just kind of continuing to do what we do and, and share places and inspire people to get excited about where they live and where they can go. And I think, I think what's been so great about being locked down and not being able to leave and about sort of having these closed borders is that we've got this new appreciation for Australia, really, I guess, like where people are more than ever before, like kind of just want to travel locally. They're sort of a little bit afraid almost to go further afield. And so we're like celebrating, you know, just going to the next state, like going to Victoria or going to Tassie or going over to Western Australia. And people are thinking about places that they've maybe had on their to-do list for a while, but they haven't got to, and they want to go up to Kakadu and go to Arnhem Land and go to Far North Queensland and things. And I think that's really exciting. Like that's something that we're really always thrilled to be doing is, is traveling our own country. But it's so nice to know that people are considering that as, as their travel now. And um, I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Like it, there's going to be a lot more of that celebration of Australia and, and even just traveling within your own city. Like that was something that we were sort of celebrating in our Sydney book, which was like treat your, treat your city that you live in or treat the place that you live in like it's a foreign city. Um, you know, you don't have to go somewhere else for it to be an adventure and for you to be able to explore a place. Like you can just cross town and an hour away from where we live in Manly, you can be in Western Sydney and it's, it's as thrilling as being overseas. Like it, it truly is. You just have to find those places. So yeah, we hope we can be sharing a lot more of that next year. I mean, it's really cool to hear that because I think like it's so, it's so funny because I haven't been home for two years and I've, I've been in Australia and I've been so excited to explore it. And I've heard these kind of conversations about being like the beauty of Australia is that there's so many different climates and there's so many places that you can explore. And thinking about Australians, having this as their home it's like so beautiful and it's made me really reflect on i've seen more of the world than i have of the us and like or even more of like my home state you know it's like it's so crazy that like you know you're you kind of told adventure is outside of your home borders yeah totally i think australians have that mentality as well we're always like going to europe and going to the states and going to asia and and then you know no one's even been to you know, South Australia or plenty of people have never been to Tasmania and it's like an hour away or a couple of hours away and it's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I still definitely look for, I've, I've only, I've been to like three places in Australia. So I've got, I got plenty. Yeah, of I've, got, I've got some work to do. I think um, we all do. We all do. I'm going to email you Caroline for, for some tips. It's a good attitude to have though. Like just being a tourist in your, and even in, even just for us in Melbourne, just being totally. a tourist Yeah, and what that, what that would bring to our day. And what we would discover. Yeah, that's something I've enjoyed a lot about moving to Sydney. And I grew up in Melbourne and, and spent a lot of time there. And now Sydney feels like home. I feel I like exploring Melbourne as a tourist, you know, staying in different parts, staying with friends, like, you know, staying in the north, staying in the south. And you kind of like get this little snapshot into into a community. And it's it's really nice just to treat it like a, it's, a, it's a foreign city or something. I, I feel like I've really, you know, fallen in love with, a city like Melbourne again because of that. Like in the world of publishing and I guess creating content and writing and photographing things, do you feel a crunch or pressure of deadlines? Do you get, you know, the the dreaded writer's block that, that you hear great authors speak of? Like <laughs> what like what is that what is that flow for what you do? That's a good question. Lucky for me, I'm not a great author. I'm just just a 
just an author, but um, yeah, so I don't have the the big pressures. But but I think as a freelancer, you sort of have to be very diligent with with your time and and sort of know where your boundaries are because it's very easy to sort of work from home as as we a lot of us do now. And I think I think a lot of these experiences are now kind of like have come together because people that normally work in an office are at home. And they've realized, oh, I could just work at any time of the day and there's no boundaries and I can get up and just be at my desk and then I can be back at my desk at like after dinner at nine o'clock. And so I think I think just like creating some structure and knowing how knowing what you're capable of and, and knowing, you know, when to say no, when to say yes. And I, I think often you're gonna say yes to too many things and you're gonna feel overwhelmed and you, you're gonna have some scary deadlines and, and certainly with books you you often it's like a it's like a long haul project you you have a deadline that's like a year away and you're like oh yeah no problem and then you don't do anything for like eight months and then you're like okay we got a shitload to do now in a really small space of time I mean that's not really that's not a great way to do any project but um you know that that can happen I like to try and be quite organized I like to try and make time for things but then I can stress myself out if I don't have enough time. And I think time is like the essential element to, to being productive, like in two ways. And one is like, if you think about, I'm going to take it back to cooking again, because I, I, I always make this analogy. I always say like, anyone can cook well, they just need time. And it's so true because the skill of cooking, I think in, the, for example, in a restaurant is like the pace of it being, and it's like amazing pace. Like, of course, there's all these other skills that chefs have, but like, I think something that, people don't think about is like that they're doing it under this amazing time pressure you know and if you had a whole day to make like a flan for example I mean I'm sure like a lot of a lot of us could do that and I think that's I've gone way off track here I've totally gone somewhere else great but if you understand you know what you can achieve in a certain amount of time then um yeah and you can only get that with experience and and understanding what what you need in your day I mean I think as a freelancer, there's not a 9 a.m. clock on time and a 5 p.m. clock off time, but you can put those things in place. And, and certainly with, with having a family, you, you do end up kind of living with some rules and guidelines. And I'm now like mixing like five questions into one. Well, no, I mean, I think it's amazing. I mean, I think A, they say timing's everything, right? Like I think that's like, you know, sometimes things don't work out because timing was off. Sometimes things are perfect because timing is on, you know? And it's like that managing of time is just is like so incredible. I think so. And I, like you actually said another thing, I think you said one thing that was really interesting to me because I used to be a freelancer and like, like you said, like managing your day, like what is nine? When do you start? When do you stop? And I, I definitely was like all over the shop and I eventually then found these like little tricks where I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to start my day by going to get coffee. I wouldn't make coffee at home because if I just make coffee at home, I'm just staying in my sweats, but I would like, go get coffee because I'd have to get dressed. Like, do you, like, are there any things that you do to help you navigate, I guess, turning on, shutting off your day or your time? I mean, this is an obvious one. Like, I think that it's, yeah, it's really easy to like be very comfortable and not, and not kind of move into the work front frame of mind, but, but even just like getting dressed and, and putting on a new outfit and, and even like sometimes even when I'm working at home, which is like a lot of the time, because actually even as freelancers, I think once upon a time you could work in cafes and, and libraries and other 
shared spaces and that's less and less now like most of us are sort of like turning inwards and working at home but I think even just like still getting dressed and putting an outfit on like you're going to the office it doesn't have to be like dressing up but like kind of just feeling like you're not just putting like your t-shirt you did yoga in last night or whatever on like you're kind of making some kind of effort for yourself I don't know I I find that sometimes slightly puts me in it's like you're putting on your your persona or something you know I don't know it's funny because it's almost the opposite it's the opposite for like people who are in like I'm more used to that nine to five like office and I feel like we as Kathy as a business like we've been trying to reshape that for the last couple of years to say you know if you are feeling a bit out of it take a few hours because if you're working and you're just trying to push through, like, what are you trying to, you're not going to achieve your best. So actually going that it's funny to hear it from that perspective, because we're actually trying to break a mold of feeling like we have to work these set hours when maybe just every day, like if you haven't slept well, like why can't you start at 10? Why do you have to start at nine? Like I know some jobs, and hopefully our supply chain team are not listening to this because the orders do need to get out. Um, but for some of us, our best work needs to come from when we're actually feeling our best. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that there's, there's so much in that because yeah, we've been so guided by these, these restrictions on hours. And now we've, you know, businesses have realized that people can be independent enough to just do their job in the time that they have. And, and sometimes that's five hours a day. And sometimes that's, more and sometimes that's less and I think that if people feel that responsibility they're gonna they're gonna do their work and they're gonna do it well and it doesn't have to be so restricted definitely less less hours more holiday time oh yeah great Mm -hmm. idea no (laughs) more pay raises I'm liking (laughs) Caroline agrees I'm into it (laughs) one one other question that I I had like for you is are there any whether it's past, I wouldn't say past, present, or future, that you couldn't answer the future portion of this question. But <laughs> are there any like, I mean, are there any travelers or writers that you find like inspiration from, you know, like could be like your uncle John, who, you know, at, at 16, he set, across, he set out across Australia in a, on a motorbike, but it could also be like Magellan. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Dylan and I kind of like have these, um, we talk about them as like, they're like our inspo, like inspirational kind of like parent, parental figures in a way, but they're not our parents. And um, th- like, I feel like there are certain people that we know or that we don't know, but we think they might fall into this category. But these two people are people that we know and they run a magazine called Green Magazine and they, they're just... Um, names are Tom and Tanzan and they have like been working in the media industry for years and years and they run this sustainable architectural magazine that many of you out there will have heard of um, and they've also recently launched a walker's journal they basically I feel like they've been able to channel their interests into their into their life and their lifestyle and what they do and it's quite inspirational for us I think they're they're yeah, they're really doing what they love and they've made it their business and their passion and their, their their world. And it's kind of kept them excited, you know, for years and years. And I think that's um, something that we can all kind of, kind of look towards. But they have a Walker's journal. That's what I'm excited yeah. for. Yeah. So they started this thing called Walker's journal just off the back of, um, I think they were doing a lot of travel content in green magazine and found that it was like really resonating with people and it was something they love to do. They often wrote and shot that content and they still do. And, um, 
yeah, it was, they started this like it's just a little kind of I think it comes out every couple of months and it documents like a walk in every state usually and you can get a subscription to it and it's, just, it's really sweet. Yeah. And you might see our some of our work in there too. I'm going to check it out. I, like yeah. I walk, I love walking is my favorite thing. Do you think that like this kind of being really interested in like the wilderness and walking and hiking is, is like quite a, maybe it's a Californian thing. Maybe it might be a, I don't, well, no, actually, you know what, to be honest, like I like the outdoors. I'm actually more interested in like cities and walking cities, but my love of walking came from living in New York. And I like, I think that there's certain places in the U S that definitely have such like, I mean, our national parks are some of the best in the world and, and there definitely isn't an, an interest. But like, I, I always find it funny because when I was back in LA, I would tell people I was walking somewhere and they'd be like, what you're, no, you just drive. And there's like, not even, sometimes there's not even sidewalks to get to one place to another, you know, but I think there is a natural love of it. But I mean, to be honest, since I've been in Australia, I've, I've thought that the love of the outdoors, hiking, camping is far greater here is than back, right? really? back in the States. Yeah. I mean, just like. I don't know that my, again, that's like, that's just kind of from what I've noticed. I, like everyone's like, Oh, what are you doing this week? I'm like, Oh, we're going down to the peninsula. We're going down to the coast. We're going out to regional Victoria. We're going camping. And I'm always like, dang, like every, I'm just like, I'm going to dinner and I'm going to do yoga tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> They're like packing the car, going fishing. It's like, geez, I need to work on my. On your getaway. And so if, if we were, if, if everyone listening was planning, you know, post COVID, let's explore Australia and you had to recommend one place that they should have in the top of their, at the top of their list, given all your experience, what would that place be? Wow. That's a really good question. I'm also taking notes here. <laughs> Look, I, I, this is like, this is like a little bit um, hard for me to, to say because it's a place that we love and we don't want it to get overrun, but it is a really special place that we've spent a lot of summers in and it's on the, it's the north of Sydney, a few hours. It's a place called Seal Rocks, which is a really sweet little beach town. There's basically no reception. There's one shop. It's like a post office. It's like the town shop. There's not even a town there, but it's a post office that sells like, you know, a few convenience items, you know, like a bag of, like a bag of potatoes and can of beans and some ice creams. And I think that it, it, it sort of just allows you to really switch off when you don't have phone reception. And it's a place that we've spent like, yeah, our summers sort of staying in our van. And I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it'll resonate with a few people and, and, and maybe it's not so much of a secret, but it's certainly a place I think people should know about. And, and also a place that people should visit, not just in, in summer, these coast towns are really beautiful in winter and other seasons as well. But then I guess like as, as borders open to different states, I would say like explore places that you haven't been to, like go to the Flinders Ranges in South Australia and go to you know, Central Australia and far north Queensland and like, you know, Karajini in Western Australia. And I mean, a place that we always talk about going back to is that's, uh, I sort of mentioned it earlier on, but like that southwest corner of um, WA, just like south of Perth and, and the, like kind of like the whole section, like as you come around the corner of the country, basically, it's just like wine country, beach country. It's like beautiful, rich landscape and very kind of friendly. Like actually, you know what? It reminds me a lot of like the Mornington Peninsula. It's just obviously a lot more remote than 
sort of the east coast beach beach escapes that we have access to so so that's like five places but uh but yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot in there so good i'm sure there'll be some great ones there that people can look up someone else i wanted to mention as an inspiration is another i guess he's a friend that we've met through our sort of journeys of of places we swim um he wrote the foreword to our first book and it's ben law um he's a writer and producer and he's actually he's about to start working on a tv series with celeste barber and he's just been someone that i think we followed along with for, for many years he's just like a very authentic and unfiltered person and he's silly and playful um but he's also like really you know serious and passionate about about things and he you know he's interested in social and social justice and environmentalism and i think he he's just a he's a he's a young guy who just shows a lot of joy in what he does and i think that's a really nice nice thing to yeah a, a, a nice thing to have for work yeah i definitely needs to you need to enjoy what you do and it needs to make you happy another thing that dylan and i talk about a lot and is something that's coming up um more and more with businesses is becoming a b corp business which is kind of just like businesses that are operating, you know, in a, I guess, in a sort of sustainable fashion and it, and it drills down into like their operational styles and the way that they manage staff and the way that they deal with their customers and whatever they do. You know, there are some really impressive businesses out there, um, some in Australia and businesses like Patagonia are, are great examples of a B Corp. But yeah, th- that kind of thing I think is something in business that people that we're, we're thinking about a lot as inspiration in the future. And then in being in the media industry, we're always looking to uh, like to publications that are like really striving and, and reaching kind of like for the, for, you know, for the sky. And I mean, the New York Times is, is one of those brands for me personally, you know, amazing trusted journalism, it's constantly evolving. Everything they do, they sort of find a strength in somehow and um, not somehow, but because they're very good at what they do, but um, they're an institution, but they still feel relevant every day. So I think that, you know, finding your thing and, and really trying to do it in the best way you can. I mean, that's, it, it, I guess it goes without saying, but, but certainly brands like that are quite inspirational. And then another one, just to throw this in, because I, I was thinking about it the other day is is like a business like Mona down in Tasmania. You know, this is nothing to do with swimming or, you know, publications or books or whatever. But, you know, they're a business and a brand that are, you know, they've got this really clear voice. They're like really know who they are. Um, you know, they're challenging people. They've obviously got a lot of money to spend, but they're putting it into the right place. And they're like re- really reinvigorating Tasmania and Hobart largely. And I think that having an agenda beyond just operating as a business is something that... Um, you know, a lot more businesses are going to be thinking about now. It's not just about, you know, selling a product and making money. It's like, how can we affect other people positively? And and I think they're doing that. There's some great examples. And I think the consistent element amongst all of that and exploring B Corp is just like what you said, is just challenging, but also being authentic. You know, it's not something a business can pay to be accepted into or cut corners or, put a pretty sticker on and say, we do this. Like it's actually pushing businesses to look at every element from people to product to purpose and the longevity of what we all do, regardless of the industry. And the other one that's a really fun one, a tiny little ice cream brand in Sydney called Marpo Gelato. And they, they just operate out of a a store in, in Newtown and they've opened in Bondi, but they've just like started their little, like a little ice cream van. And, um, I just like the idea that like, you know, just like this like tiny little business, um, is, is, you know, bringing the goods to the people, you know, it's like, 
mobile and accessible and delicious and fun and those kind of brands are always just like, you know, put a smile on your face. I've actually been reading quite a bit about them. Really? Really? Yeah. Or like seeing them around. I don't know if it's that thing of like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like an ice cream fanatic and recently. Too. So. Yeah. We'll check it out next time we are people watching at Bondi. Well, guys, I think um, it has been such a lovely conversation. I feel we've learned about places we swim, parenthood. Travel. Inspirational cooking. travel and journeys. Cooking. Timing is everything. Timing. Yeah. And do do what you love and try to be good at it. Yeah. I mean, if, th- if, that's, if that's what we've learned from today's uh-huh. podcast, boom, successful. I hope so. But Caroline, thank you so, so much. And we will, through our socials, we'll post a few website links and things. So if you, if you do want to find out more about the work that Caroline does and, and read some of her beautiful pieces, we will definitely share that. And again, yes, thank you so much for being a part of this. It's been amazing to hear your perspective. And yeah. Thanks, guys. And that's all for us today. Thank you so much to our amazing guest, Caroline Clements. Also a big, big thank you to our wonderful sponsors, the team over at Coben. And most importantly, thank you to all of you listening today. If you loved what you heard, please like and subscribe to our podcast. And excited to chat with you again in the coming weeks. Ciao.